Good morning and welcome in the name of Jesus. Looks like everybody's outside. Maybe we all should go. Should we all go join? We all go outside. It's a beautiful day. Have some fun. No. And happy Father's Day too. I know. Where are the elders of this church? Bring the people in. You're okay, Tim. That's one of the blessings of this congregation. Everybody loves to talk, which is a good thing, except for talking when I'm talking, right? All right, I think we're ready to begin now. Again, happy Father's Day to all you fathers and wannabes out there. Um, Today we're going to do, uh, or I'm going to do something that I've never done before. So today our readings are from Exodus, from Romans, and from Matthew. And well, I've, at times I've not preached on one of the texts for today. Um, today I'm not going to preach on one of the texts for today. I'm actually going to take a look at um, fathers. So we're going to talk about fathers today. Um, and I'm going to use a text that you all may not think has anything to do with fathers. You all remember the story of Jesus in the boat with his disciples. He's asleep, and there's a huge big storm that comes up. And they get mad at him because he's asleep. We're going to talk about that text. And by the way, it also applies to non-fathers, too. So, so do please listen. Um, let me read you a little bit about the history of Father's Day before we get started. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. So the history of celebrating Father's Day in the United States begins with a church service held in West Virginia in 1908. They recalled and honored the fathers who had perished in a coal mine disaster the year before. Two years later, a more general annual observance was begun at the YMCA in Spokane, Washington. Sometimes we act really slow. So nothing really happened until 1972. That's, uh, what, 69 years later, after the first one? That was the day that it was declared to be a national holiday. And among the many qualities of positive fatherhood celebrated on Father's Day is a sense of compassion. Many centuries ago, the, the psalmist wrote, as the father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's Psalm 103, verse 13. Each week in worship, you and I recall and give thanks for the compassionate love of our God, the Eternal Father, who bears his people on eagles' wings and crowns them with steadfast love and mercy. Let us begin by singing hymn 791, All People That on Earth Do Dwell.
Please rise.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty, eternal God, in the word of your apostles and prophets who have proclaimed to us your saving will, grant us faith to believe your promises that we may receive eternal salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Exodus, chapter 19, verses 2 through 8. The people of Israel set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And our psalm today is Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness for all generations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. And our epistle reading is from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 15. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was, the wor- was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. This is the word of the Lord. And our verse from Psalm and Matthew. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his is On your wondrous works I will meditate. Hallelujah! The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth and 10th chapters. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, Cast out demons, you receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold, nor silver, nor copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor a staff. For the laborer deserves his food, and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. 
But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave the house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Be aware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Are there any children today that wish to come up for the children's message? Ah, I was going to let them to do something today that you cannot do in church. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you all that opportunity a little bit later. Let's sing our hymn of the day.
please rise. Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. So the, t- the text I've chosen for the t- today is from the Gospel of Mark. It is the fourth chapter, verses 35 to 41. And let me read that to you. Absolutely. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Thus our text. So every year, our country honors fathers on Father's Day. Whether you're a father or a mother or a child or if the only father in your family are your sons or your grandsons, it's important for you to hear about the God-given vocation of fathers as well as mothers. And that applies to both young and to old. Even if your father is no longer living, like mine, you can still honor what he taught you. Today, our world has lost the understanding of fatherhood. Some men push to have their unborn children aborted because they don't want the responsibility of raising children. Some fathers leave the mothers to raise the children without them. Some dads are workaholics. Some dads are destructive. Some were violent to their families. It's evident. I'm sorry, we are having problems with, this is mic number three already in our worship service today, so. But the devil shall not win. Is that an amen? Hey, you are Lutheran, so it's okay to say amen. It's evident that the idea of biblical fatherhood today is under great attack. Fathers also have a spiritual role in the families in addition to their other duties. 
How many of you read the Lord's Catechism? So here's something, we'll digress for a moment, all right? You think of large, you think the large catechism must be larger than the small catechism. Now, when Luther wrote it, that would have been absolutely true. But since the time Luther wrote, you will notice that the, oh, I can't show you, that the small catechism went, went from a book like this to a book like this. Where the large catechism is still just like a book like this. And... Uh, it's much better than the small catechism. So that's a couple of you read it. You know what I'm talking about. So pick one up. You'll enjoy it. Anyway, the Lord Catechism says this. Fathers are to be spiritual leaders at home. Fathers are to teach their family the commandments, the creed, the Lord's Prayer, and to quiz them weekly on how well they know it. Father are to teach psalms and hymns to their kids so they learn them by heart. But this, too, is under attack by the world. Our world thinks that manly men are not spiritual, and a real man is not what Scripture teaches about fatherhood. Christian fathers are tempted to ignore their spiritual duties. We may not even know how to be spiritual leaders for our families. And Christian families also may not be used to, used to supporting and encouraging dad to be a spiritual leader. So today, our Lord bids us to hear what he says about fathers and receive the grace he gives for fathers to do these important acts. Some of you may know this, that research shows that when fathers' activities lead their family to church, their kids are more than 90% likely to be active, faithful Christians as adults. But if the father stays home from church, then even if mom goes, the children have a 50% chance of staying Christian later in life. For whatever reason, the faith of a children, children seems to be directly related to the spiritual guidance of their father. Now, there are always exceptions, of course. But the research shows how important the father's spiritual role is. Many dads teach their kids how to work and support themselves in life. They teach them how to have fun, to fish, to drive a four-wheeler, to play sports. And those are all fine and good. Fathers should do those things. But how many dads are also spiritual leaders for their kids? How many dads speak to their children at home about death becoming life? or teach them to pray in all circumstances? How many dads lead their families to church instead of sending the wife and kids while dad stays home? Today's gospel, Mark, chapter 4, 35 to 41, our Lord Jesus miraculously stills the mighty storm. That's the obvious of what happens. But Jesus does something else that isn't so obvious. Jesus teaches the vocation of fatherhood, teaching by doing what a father should do. It's like Jesus is the ultimate father, a spiritual father, and the disciples are his spiritual children. The howling storm came at the boat. The disciples were afraid. What was Jesus doing? He was taking a nap. He was sleeping, curled up, oblivious to what was going on. It doesn't, doesn't sound like a very good example for fathers, does it? 
It seems like Jesus was looking after his own interests and not even considering helping his frightened children. That's not what fathers are to do. The disciples' faith was shaken. The storm was scaring them. And like children sometimes do, the disciples got upset at Jesus, their spiritual father. Verse 38, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Like some children, the disciples didn't think their spiritual father, Jesus, was taking care of them. Are you like that sometimes? I am. When times of trouble come, do you doubt that Jesus is acting for your sake? Are you so sure that Jesus just doesn't care or that he offers, he's off looking after his own interests and is clueless of what is happening in your life? In times of trouble, do you get upset at Jesus and think his word doesn't really apply to you? Of course, Jesus was not forgetting about his children. Jesus was teaching them that when trouble comes, they, you and I, can keep trusting in God, our loving Father. Like a good earthly father, you just keep trusting that God is your loving Father. Jesus teaches his spiritual children to fear to love, and to trust God above all things. He teaches the disciples that faith in God leads to peaceful hearts. The storm threatens, but Jesus' heart is set on God. So what does he do? He sleeps peacefully through it. And so our Lord sets a powerful example for the disciples to trust in God, just as fathers are also called to do that for their children. The second way that Jesus teaches the role of a father is by protecting the family. After Jesus woke up, he commands the storm to be still in order to protect his spiritual children. The disciples, <clears throat> excuse me, the disciples. Verse 39 says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. This also applies to human fathers. Jesus teaches human fathers to protect their families from outside dangers. Once a father told a neighborhood bully to stop picking on his son, and the bully did stop from then on. Why was the reason? What was the reason that the bully listened? It was simply because the father spoke with much force and authority. One could even call it a roaring. And by this, the father protected his son. The words of human fathers do powerful things. Fathers' words protect their families from outside dangers. They comfort and give good counsel. But even more powerful are the divine words of Jesus, our spiritual father. He speaks to protect you and me. For we are his Dear spiritual children, the gospel you hear protects you from every false and dangerous teaching that would hurt you. For the word of Jesus breaks and hinders the satanic forces that threaten your soul. Jesus is our spiritual father. 
With him, we feel safe. Where he promises to be with us, he takes away fear. And where he promises to be with us, and particularly in the means of grace, the baptismal font, the body and blood of Christ, Christ embodies what it means to be a father to us. By preaching the sacraments, he comes to be with you and me and to be for us. And therefore, we, like beloved children, are safe. And the third way that Jesus teaches in our text the role of fathers is by bringing peace. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus brought peace to the storm and peace to his disciples. Think about that peace that Jesus brings to you by his forgiveness. It is God's peace that surpasses all understanding. It is a powerful peace that faith alone knows, a peace won by Christ's blood and sealed for immortality. Jesus speaks peace by the gospel which is found in preaching and absolution and in the sacraments. Through faith in his word, you have God's peace. Jesus' words calm every troubled conscience, making it calmer than the sea was after he stilled the storm. My dear brothers and sisters, trust in Jesus. The only reason he slept in the storm was to show you that faith in God is what brings peace, even in times of trouble. No matter if it's a howling wind, a shaky economy, family problems, a guilty conscience, or uncertain future, faith in your loving God brings peace. For Christ was crucified for your sins. His blood was shed for you and for your forgiveness. Through faith in him, you are at peace before God. Do not look inside yourself for peace, but outside of yourself. Look to Christ, who was crucified for your sins. Look to the word that declares you justified. Look to the sacraments that carry forgiveness to you. Here is your peace. Here is your comfort. Thus Jesus teaches here human fathers to bring peace, despite the faults and the failings of human fathers, and regardless the age of their children, whether young or old, children or adults. Children simply feel safe just being with their dad. It makes sense. When our earthly fathers show us the same selfless love and compassion in their fatherly vocation as Jesus does, it should, shouldn't surprise us that we feel safer with them. Just think of how many ways human fathers, hopefully your father, bring or brought peace. Earthly fathers help resolve arguments. Earthly fathers help us figure out life problems. Healthy fathers raise up us to live in a peaceable way, showing kindness and respect. Christian fathers also model what it means for their children to be sinners forgiven by Christ and faithful to Jesus. There are many good reasons to honor and to give thanks for our earthly fathers. 
Fathers are to be our temporal and spiritual leaders by modeling trust in God, by protecting their families, and by bringing peace. And in this way, they reflect the love of Jesus, who is our ultimate spiritual father. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and in true faith until life everlasting. Amen. Would you please rise? Today we will sing our creed in hymn 953, We All Believe in One True God.